Swagcast is brought to you by Paley Duanebo Casual Men's Wheel. Whether it's a romantic picnic at the park or hiding in someone's bushes, the only way to go is a Bow. And now, the Swagcast. In five, four, three, two. Extreme close-up! Tuesday doesn't have a feel. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. Here's the thing with Seinfeld mm-hmm. is that, well, just that, per- there's a lot of cool things with Seinfeld, right. but with that particular episode, when Newman's like, Monday has a feel, Friday has, Friday a, feel. has a feel, Sunday has a feel, he's like, Tuesday has no feel. It's like, he's right. It's true. Yeah. Kramer's like, see, I feel Tuesday. Yeah. But, but it, I think that show got a lot of stuff right. Yeah. Uh, I th- I think well it's based on a lot of the writers oh, real yeah. experiences. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah, in ter- unless you have some sort of thing scheduled every Tuesday, like or if you have some sort of weird work weird work schedule to where you work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, mm-hmm. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and you yeah. have Tuesdays off, then Tuesday has a feel, but yeah. I mean, the only thing important about Tuesday is the band till Tuesday. Hey. Which did voices carry. Hey. Now we're talking. Now we're cooking. Oh, I meant to tell you, like, this. Is, I went to Walgreens after work. Oh, wunderbar. And, and, like, my, you know, I tweaked my back a little bit in the gym. And, like, I've been icing it pretty vigorously mm-hmm. and, like, rolling it with, you know, foam rollers and stuff. And um, it's due to tight glutes. Oh. Sometimes ooh, that happens. The tight glute, the glute, gluteus matimus. Yes, my old yeah. MySpace handle. Yeah. Um, but, uh... But they had. Some, I asked the one of the workers where the icy hot was, mm-hmm. just looking for something, you know, because it's been tightening up at work. Yeah. And I I went into the aisle and they had icy hot, and literally next to the name brands, they've got the Walgreens brands. Uh-huh. And I think the Walgreens brand is literally like ultra strength muscle cream or something. <laughs> <laughs> muscle cream. Like I almost wanted to buy it just to have it in the <laughs> house. Something that says muscle Hold cream. Hold on. I'm putting on my muscle cream. <laughs> putting like, quit being ridiculous. And it's like, no. This is muscle, muscle cream. cream. Yeah. Now it's I'm like, going to take a swig of muscle juice. Yeah. It's like how we were at Samantha's one time and yeah. I had Dr. Pepper and we were helping them move. And uh, I was like, I need some muscle juice. And she's <laughs> like, you don't call it that. And so Dr. Pepper's just been muscle juice. Or yeah. we call soda burp water. Burp water. Muscle cream, yeah, but um, it's actually called muscle cream. Well, that's that's really good to know. See, I was at Walgreens too. I think we just missed each other, probably. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't looking around because I'm in tip-top shape. Yeah, so I didn't need anything for a tweaked back or anything like that. Well, thanks, Stephen. No problem. I think it'd be good to start now. Yeah, probably. Um, yes. So it's almost like, are we recording? <laughs> who 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 are you talking to? Yeah. So welcome to the Radcast, everybody. This episode is two. Episode two, numero dos. We're really excited about this one. I'm going to be right up front with everybody because I don't want to start a relationship based on lies. Of course not. A little bit of peek into how the sausage is made. We record our interviews with people um, in advance, and then we just sit down in the studio and just after the fact record an intro. So what you're hearing right now was filmed two weeks after the interview. So if there's phony. Yeah, well, You're a phony and a fake and I wish I never laid my eyes on you. I think it's, I wish I never laid eyes on you. Well, uh, 
Sorry, semantics. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. A little um, grease drop in there. Yeah. Plenty of grease. Um, but anyway, so this, if there's any inconsistencies with anything that we say, like we could have never interviewed a guy named Tyler, but it <laughs> ends up, we say we did and we're interviewing a guy named Mel. Luckily this time we did interview, we did interview a, a guy, guy named, named Tyler, Tyler, a good friend of ours yeah. who on this particular subject we're talking about today is probably the the first only, the first last and only person I'd want to talk to about this yeah, particular subject. Yeah. So this episode is about 90s ninja movies. Uh, we've put the focus in more particular fashion on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies, Three Ninjas and Surf Ninjas. The tentpole kids movies oh, in yeah. this particular genre in the 90s. Yeah, and we had no other choice but to split it up into two parts. So what you're listening to right now is part one, which we're going to dive into Ninja, ninja Turtles, Turtles. The Ninja yeah. Turtle franchise, um, which... Not that I should have been surprised, but when we were talking to Tyler, he was just a a, a wellspring of information. Mm-hmm. And again, not that I should have been surprised because this is a subject we've talked with him at length for so many years. Yeah. Just, I don't know, maybe it's been, since it's been a while um, talking to him. He just, he just surprised me with a lot of stuff. Again, yeah. not that I should have been surprised. Sorry, Tyler, if you take offense to me being s- a slight bit Growing surprised. Growing up, kids have those movies they watch like yeah. hundreds of times just because mm-hmm. with kids and repetition, it's just, they go hand in hand a lot. Yeah. And the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie was one, was one of those for Tyler. So yeah. I was fully confident. I knew he's fully capable mm-hmm. and I can't wait for the listeners to hear that discussion. Yeah. So, but first... We, we had a segment last week, an interview with an alien. Correct. Well, the... Or last episode. Last episode, yeah. I should say. Yeah, interview with an alien, which I think went over fairly well. Yeah, you know, it was, you know, it it, it did. Uh, Zorbo seemed like a really nice guy, and I can't wait to have him back on. Creature. So, a really but, nice creature. Yeah. So, we are back at it again, not only with a uh, fun um, man on the street, sort of interview mm-hmm. and it is actually a sports report yeah on the radcast we're going to cover some sports we're going to cover a, an array of topics but in this particular instance it's a sports report mm-hmm. and it's a sports report by someone that you may know yeah i i think i think it'll be a fairly familiar name some people will be wondering how we got such a such a name to participate oh, yeah. in this so right now we're going to kick it over to our sports news with the 16th president of the united states Abraham Lincoln. Four score and seven years ago. Abe, how you doing? I mean, it's it's nice. It's it's I, words can't express how nice it is to see you. I mean, you you look great. Thank you. For however you've been through, it's just it, it's just it's so crazy to me because um, I don't know if you knew this. But you passed away some 260 years ago. Passed away in the spiritual sense. But it's amazing what the human spirit can do with a little determination and intense concentration. So you're saying you willed yourself back to life? That is affirmative. Well, wonderful. Um, it, it is wonderful. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, so... Uh, Many people will know you for your social and your political ideologies, but you also were a sports fan um, growing up. I was not only a sports fan, but I was an athlete. You were, an, you were a wrestler. Very good one. A very good wrestler. Uh, I know Want you, me to show you? No, I'm okay for right now. Okay. But we are, we're very interested to hear your take on sports yeah. topics. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have some bits of 
information that you can that you can report on? Yes, absolutely. In the world of cricket, Fuller Pilch and Jim Brudbidge have both earned the most runs and most wickets, respectively. In the world of rowing, on August 10th, the Wingfield Skrills... Hey, 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 yes. uh, Mr. Lincoln, can I stop you there for a second? One second, I'm almost done. Okay. The Wingfield Skrills Amateur Championship of the River Thames is founded at the instigation of Barrister Henry Castle Wingfield and raced from Battersea to Hammersmith. What an exciting development in that world. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a little befuddled yeah, right yeah, now. I'm, I'm a little thrown off. Can you maybe report on something a bit more recent? Yeah, it, it sounds to me like you're reporting on cricket and rowing. Uh, I, don't, yes. I don't know when the last time those sports were relevant and hot topics in, in the world of athletics. Um, not saying that you know cricket is still a popular sport, you know, in other countries. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, but it's not going to be making the top line on ESPN. No, exactly. And it sounds like those are bits of sports from the 19th century. Would that be a correct assessment? What is your point? Well, Abe, we had you on here to hear kind of a, your unique perspective on the topics of today. You we know, wanted, You've been gone so long. Exactly. We wanted to hear kind of what your thoughts were, maybe a hot take from you on on the the various popular sports, um, not only in America, but kind of the popular sports across the world. Again, cricket is popular in Europe. What but, is popular today? Well, baseball is popular. Oh, I have some baseball. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yes. uh, give it to in us. Baseball, merger of the Olympic and Camden Town Ball Clubs for Philadelphia and Camden, New Jersey, constituting the Olympic Ball Club of Philadelphia, often called the Philadelphia Olympics, the Constitution would be revised in 1837 and published in 1838. See, you're baseball so, news. That's news in you know the early 19th century yeah. when that took place. <laughs> like we just said, exactly. Something a bit more current, like. Like how about this? This mi- this mixes the worlds of past and present. Currently, the Major League Baseball, the MLB, they are celebrating Jackie Robinson. Jackie Roberson? Not Jackie Roberson. Jackie Robinson. Tell me about this Jackie. Well, Jackie Robinson um, was the first African American to be integrated into Major League Baseball in the early 1940s. I mean, it, it broke ground for the game. Yeah. It opened doors for people after him, like in the American League, Larry Doby, and then Frank yeah. Robinson, and basically Willie May. Pieces of information that would actually be pretty interesting to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if Jackie Roberson is listening, you're welcome. Well, Abe, unfortunately, yeah. Jackie Robinson died in the 1970s. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, you're welcome to everyone else after him, because without my Emance Proc, that would not have been possible. Emance Proc. Emance Proc. Oh, you, the the Emancipation Proclamation. It's it seems that you haven't been in the 21st century long enough to know about the sports, but you know about um, needlessly abbreviating things. Yes. The mind wants what the mind wants. Okay. I, I'm going to just write that off to maybe that was in one of your speeches. I don't know. I, I haven't really hardly read any of them. Well, the mind is a powerful thing to waste. Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree. And I think a lot yeah, of people would yeah. agree. Well, let's just end it here and just trust that maybe 
because we want to have you back on. But of course, maybe, yeah. maybe you can do a bit more research. I will be very studious, as I am known to be. Tonight, I have a liaison with me, and he's taking me somewhere called the Boom Boom Room. What do you recommend I eat or drink? Well, I don't recommend you yeah. eat anything in there. Um, I don't recommend you even go there, but hey, yeah, you know. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot you have to learn. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe you should just like make a list of things, and maybe you should trust other people who aren't going to take you to a place called... Do they do the, Civil War reenactments? I'm sure if you pay them enough, they will do anything you want. <laughs> yeah. It's a, this is very good to hear. I look forward to being back on this program. Well, yeah, I mean, we yeah. would like to have you back. And exactly. like, like Matt said, maybe do some research next time. Okay. Capital. All right. Well, um, um, I, I mean, I don't... We I don't, weren't prepared. He wasn't prepared. I think it's funny if that we were expecting anything <laughs> normal. Yeah. I don't even know how we got in touch with them. Yeah. But, but it is what it is. More power to them. Good luck at the Boom Boom Room. Hope you don't... Hopefully your currency is still accepted. <laughs> oh, yes. Also, don't be shocked if you find money with your face on it. Yeah, I didn't think about that, the culture shock that goes along with that. Yeah, he might like have a different kind of hole in his head if he like is shocked and he might look at the bill and be like, oh my God, and then like die again. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Abe. Hope to have you next time. Yep. And we're going to take a, a short break. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive right into our discussion about 90s ninja movies with Tyler Strickland. Bossa Nova. Bossa Nova. We now return. Chevy Nova. To the Radcast. Excellent. So Omaha is surrounded in most of the year by nasty weather. It's kind of gloomy, yeah. snowy, <laughs> gross. Uh, but this whole community is built around a lake, and their front yards are all made out of sand. Uh, there is not, like, the, the only grass pads they have are in the back. It's supposed to be, like, this island community type thing that they're building out there. <laughs> in Omaha, Nebraska. In Omaha, Nebraska. Mahalo. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is that you mentioned that, and in the southern part of Omaha, there is a literally a Hawaiian-based community all the houses don't look anything like they would in hawaii that's so strange that they would set that up in omaha nebraska, nebraska of all the places. honestly we're culture what <laughs> else does omaha have going for it like no offense to anybody who listens and lives in omaha but like other than what do they have corn well they have the corn it? huskers they got the university of nebraska but they are most well known for omaha lincoln area is most well known for mr warren buffett uh, oh yeah, yes. the yeah the, the fa- that famous billionaire old man. Oh, I thought I, th- I thought that was the guy that sang uh, Margaritaville. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you know what he's Jimmy Buffett is related to him. That's how he got that's how he got his you know small million dollar loan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't. No. He's like he's like Uncle Warren. I need I need a million dollar loan. He's like why? He's like I'm gonna write songs. He's like oh great about what? He's like sandals. Sandals. Yeah, it's like <laughs> sandals and. Alcohol, getting drunk and falling asleep on the beach. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sounds good to me. Honestly, like I never got on the Jimmy Buffett train. Yeah, I don't know if anybody you know is a fan of Jimmy Buffett. 
guilty okay. as charged. Yeah, right. I am a parrot head. But, but but you know what? Like Jimmy Buffett is like it's it's beach music. It's it, like party stuff. It is. It honestly, it's the soundtrack to every middle middle aged middle class white male's life. Mm-hmm. Tommy you Bahama. Know. Yes, you know, Tommy Bahama Wandles. I go to the beach in Florida once a year, but I'm gonna put a a salt life sticker on the back of my truck. Yeah, I'm, yeah. A, I'm gonna wear a beach bum shirt. <laughs> yeah. Like, um. Uh. Anytime, and I don't even know if I should say this because we 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 were not like clean clean on the radcast, but we still try and keep it moderately clean. But you said salt life, and the the letters are so close together. I see S L and then the T. That's what I see. And uh, <laughs> I mean, pardon pardon, kind of the uh, if if you get offended Just by this, let this, it this, loose. It looks like slut life. <laughs> like like that's that's that what it too. looks like. It's a crazy Ugh. weekend. I don't know yeah, what happens. What happens. In Florida, stays yeah, in Florida. I'm not, you know I'm, how it goes. Those crazy spring breakers. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Those crazy spring breakers. I'm not going to blame you. And on that note, welcome back to the Radcast, ladies and gentlemen, coming out of that break. Uh, I hope you liked that little segment at the beginning there. We worked real hard on it. <laughs> so I hope you liked that. And if you didn't like it, well, all I can say is sorry. That's the best I can yeah, do for you. Like- I, don't, but, I really don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah. You can stop listening, but I would encourage you yeah. not to. Please don't stop. Because we got stop. a lot coming at you. Yeah. Um, and if, if you did like it, you know, thank you very much. We are in Kansas for this episode. A mm-hmm. uh, very special reason we are in Kansas. A twofold special reason why we're in Kansas. America's armpit. Exactly. America's armpit. <laughs> thank you for, thank <laughs> you thank for you that. Thank you for demeaning the state of Kansas and all listeners who could potentially be from Kansas. Okay. Uh, yes. So we're in Kansas. For, it's kind of a twofold special reason. So the one of the, the main reasons we're down here is because we went to a comedy show at the KC Improv last night, last night being Friday, April 5th, uh, at the time we're recording this. Matt and I are big fans of the comedian Theo Vaughn, so we went and we saw him. Mm-hmm. But while we were down here, Matt's like, why don't we see if the Stricklands will have us? And, I mean, they're not going to say no. Uh, so some of you may be asking, who are the Stricklands? <laughs> well, the Stricklands are our very good friends, Tyler and his wife, Kayla. We've known Tyler. If you listen to the Proper Gentleman podcast, you know that the guys we do that with, um, especially Jake and Zach, we've known our entire life. Tyler, we've known pretty much He's our been entire in that life. Mix. Tyler yeah. has been in that mix our, our entire life. Uh, so it's with, especially today's topic, he's one of the main people we'd want to talk to. So Tyler and then his awesome wife, Kayla, uh, Tyler, say hello to the people. Hey, what's up, Radcasters? How you doing? <laughs> it's Tyler Strickland. Yeah. One of hopefully many appearances. Exactly. We got, we got a lot that we could talk about, but today, yeah, today's topic, especially is something that for numerous years, we've sat in your basement, watched these movies, talked about these movies, dissected these movies. Uh, we have a few specifics that we're going to do kind of in this two-parter. Uh, in part one, we're going to tackle two different movies. But just as a whole, we're going to talk ninja movies of the 90s. Karate movies, Karate martial arts movies. movies. Yeah, exactly. And more specifically, like the kids' movies. Because in mm-hmm. the 80s, you had that trend of you know, the action hero, and it was usually a martial artist like Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And so they sort Steven of... Steven Seagal. Exactly, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Yeah. So with the rise of like Ninja Turtles and the Power Rangers, you had more kid-oriented like movies like that. So you had kids 
unrealistically bringing down like adult foes and stuff like that. And there seemed to be a trend of that in the nineties. And, uh, you had a lot of the heavy hitters like Ninja Turtles and three Mm -hmm. ninjas and stuff like that. And so we thought what better subject than that, because I know a lot of people grew up with those movies Mm -hmm. and who better to talk about it with than Tyler Strickland. Yeah. So Tyler, why don't you give the listeners a little bit of history? What with not just, I guess with these movies, but just the genre as a whole, what, how, how has that played a part in your life? Absolutely. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here with yeah. you guys. Oh, definitely. Coming out and seeing my wife and I and yeah. giving me a chance to speak with you. This is uh, pretty awesome. It's going to bring back some fond memories I'm excited about. But uh, as far as my specialty would go for this subject, you could say, um, I grew up, you know, 90s child. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. Watching these things. I had cousins that were all older than me that were really into the series, um, specifically Ninja Turtles, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and then, you know, lucky enough to be born early enough that I could catch the drift with the Power Rangers and all the TV shows that came out. Um, so this was just a staple of my childhood. Um, a lot of my my history of martial arts, 15 plus years of martial arts experience was birthed out of watching these things. Um, as a kid, my mom and dad signed me up for a basic self-defense class because I was participating in... Um, some stuff at school that, that was like self-defense and like getting away, but also because I would secretly in my basement at home as a, as a five-year-old child uh, practice martial arts on my dog. Yeah. So they <laughs> said, let's get him into an actual class. Um, and so that kind of continued to spur my love for the sport, mm-hmm. um, as well as that having grown up in such a culture that um, really the phenom of the 90s was these martial arts movies. It was yeah. kind of bird that of things with um, the Karate Kid in the late 80s and yeah. Daniel-san and Miyagi, uh, Mr. Miyagi, which kind of little history on that was bird that of a, a, a traditional martial artist by the name of Fumio Demora mm-hmm. um, that brought yeah, martial yeah. arts to America. It's like um, a Netflix documentary about yeah, it, I think like the real Miyagi yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, you know, and, and obviously it all pays homage back to Bruce Lee who really brought martial arts to America mm-hmm. and started teaching Americans when it wasn't okay back in the sixties uh, and seventies. Uh, so, you know, you see that come through the seventies and then the eighties and you had like TV shows with Kung Fu. But mm-hmm. what they found was that the Ninja Turtles were such a success that they could start to market these things to kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cheesy kind of violence, but it also at the same point was had a, had a traditional backstory of like, Hey, you can be the hero mm-hmm. um, and you can stand up for yourselves. Yeah. And it's, it was, it was a lot of anti-bullying stuff is the reason yeah. why they did these uh, specifically the three ninjas and things like that to keep kids from getting bullied. Hey, stand up for yourself. Hey, you, you, you have power as a kid to, to defend yourself from things that shouldn't happen. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of my little background on that. I'll, I'll uh, quit soapboxing. We'll get to the, no. get to the, the grit, yeah. man. No, I th- no, I think, I think it's good. a little dangerous because it's showing that little kids, the size of Tum Tum, can can punch an adult in the face and not break their hand so mm-hmm. yeah it's a, I, I get the empowerment aspect yeah. of it yeah. but uh you got to suspend a little disbelief there yeah and tyler you mentioned there's definitely an evolution especially when kung fu movies started coming to america so in the 70s you got the american dubs of these japanese kung fu movies which i mean people kind of got a taste of the american dubs with the godzilla movies mm. back in the 50s and the 60s and more into the 70s and then you know it it you had a lot of the Bruce Lee movies and a lot of offshoots like that. 
And then into the 80s, you had more of the the more gritty action heroes who do martial Full arts. Full-on Americanized yeah. version like, of yeah, the stories. Yeah, like Jean-Claude Van Damme was a proponent of that. And then the 90s kind of softened a little bit. I mean, you still had like Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. in the mid-90s, but and but it, it got, they were, like you said, more geared towards kids. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Kung Fu and martial arts in cinema has been pretty prominent, at least since the 1970s. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember what the doc is, but there's a fan, there, Netflix used to have a great documentary about like kung fu movies and the advent of that uh, coming through the 70s. I don't know if you remember what that I, one was I, called. You know what? I do not remember what it was called, but the you guys are the reason I watched that. You sent it oh, to me and yeah, said, "Hey, yeah. check this out." Yeah. I, I don't know that it's on Netflix anymore, but we could always put that in the in the show notes afterwards. Yeah, it was, what it was. We'll do. It some was yeah. great. I'll yeah, still I'll still think of that one. It was just kind of just a wellspring of information. Um, but I mean, honestly, with whatever came out in the 90s, since it was such a huge boom and so many things wanted to be like Power Rangers or wanted to be like Ninja Turtles or they saw the success of something like Three Ninjas wanted to do offshoots of that or Pocket Ninjas Pocket ni- or <laughs> you know things you'd find in a dollar bin yeah. at like Target which is funny you said you did karate on your dog because there's a movie called Karate Dog so maybe your dog <laughs> watched that and it was like that's you son of a, I'm going to get that ass yeah. all, you know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So with, uh, with uh, since, since there are so many, um, there's no way, even though this is going to be a two-parter, there's no way in either part we could cover everything. So we kind of focused it a little bit. So here in part one, we're going to really talk about and dissect uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle live action movies. Oh, yeah. I say you can't, you can't talk about these 90s martial arts movies without mentioning no. the Ninja Turtles. No, because the, there was such that huge boom mm-hmm. of be they were like spearheading that. It was like mm-hmm. them and the Power Rangers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that we're going to talk about the Three Ninjas movie franchise mainly putting that focus on the first three ninjas movie because that's the best one yeah absolutely obviously so we're gonna jump right in to the ninja turtles putting a lot of just again focus on the first one but there's a lot of prominence in the second one at least i think a lot of people see the second one as more influential but i know here and i don't want to speak for you tyler but i think we like the first one better uh which okay uh say your piece um <laughs> there's no arguments but no the, zero zero argument i would 100 percent agree with you guys the first the first ninja, teenage mutant ninja turtle movie 1990 that came when it came out um was the best and the reason why we'll dive into when we discuss it so no no arguments there 100 percent agree the smile was a elated smile yeah, of joy like, yeah that's, I was hoping that <laughs> here's to you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because the second I was hoping one, you weren't gonna say the third one. Well, because <laughs> the third the third one has its merits. Granted, I haven't watched it as an adult, but uh, it the, brings back Casey Jones. Yeah, but, man, they but, just can't stop rocking. Yeah, no, of course. That greatest, is, greatest. The I will say the third one had the greatest opening credits. Yeah, even though here, the here. even though the first one had classic like Major League butt kicking his back in town, ooh yeah, you know, like the, yeah, Ninja, the Ninja Turtle, Turtle logo pops out. But like the third one starts with, you know, they're going through the subway and it's just a tracking shot, mm-hmm. and then it's a, all the and light. then you get the opening guitar riff of Can't Stop yeah. Rocking by ZZ Top, Top, and it's all them like dancing and swinging their weapons and doing stuff. doing like martial arts demos and yeah. stuff like that. So I will say the third one does have the best intro. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the first one, and I know a lot of people talk about the second one. The second one is great, don't get me wrong, but I think so many people just love ninja rap when Vanilla Ice was in the second one. and, and Honestly, that, I think the reason why they used Vanilla Ice in that is because they knew they were going to lose viewership if they didn't. 
That's I mean, true. And, and the reality was that's because of, one, a change in licensing on who owned the franchise mm-hmm. and what they were allowed to do with it. Two, because of how much pushback they got yeah. on the first one being yeah. so comic original um, and authentic, also being this dark, gritty, almost noir style movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's it's funny that we're kind of working backwards here yeah, from uh, hey. third to second to first because I mean go with it. But like, but no, I'm I'm not. It's not. I don't have a problem with it. I like that we're working backwards. So like Tyler was saying, the first one did catch a lot of flack. But let's start right at the beginning. So 1984 was the first release of the comic. Uh, yeah. yeah, of the comic of the Peter Laird and uh, Kevin Eastman, and Kevin Eastman yeah. comic, which is very dark. It's Correct. very gritty. IDW was kind of an upstart comic uh, publisher at that time. So they didn't really have a whole lot of standards and practices or anything that they well, were. No, like, and it, it was a first-time comic offshoot. Yeah. They, they literally got, they met Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Um, Peter Laird, having been a, a an artist and a comic book writer for some other mm-hmm. things, um, well-known comics at that point, and Kevin Eastman trying to break through and being this young guy. And it's kind of like this mentorship meets the young dude trying to make it in the comic world. So they get together and they decide they want to do this comic book and they're trying to figure out ideas. And it's, it's so funny because the way that original one started with, they actually were supposed to be rabbits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and oh, yeah. they yeah, tried yeah. different, all these different things. They finally got the mock-up for the first, um, what would have been Michelangelo's character. Mm-hmm. And they said, Oh, let's go with this. Um, and yeah, they, they were writing a comic. They didn't think it was going to go anywhere. And it was an homage to, uh, some of these darker comics like daredevil, uh, mm-hmm. and, and even Batman in some ways too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause around, around that time, uh, dark Knight returns hadn't come out yet, but it's still Batman was getting mm. darker. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it came from the comics. So if you didn't know that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles television show started as a comic, but they really tried to stay. If you, you can tell by the first movie, they really, the adaptation, they wanted to try and shoot more towards was the comics, the comic, like you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, it the, is the IDW because the cartoon was in full force at that point. Oh, the mm-hmm. cart the cartoon was a massive, massive yeah. hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when people see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is coming to the big screen, they want to take their kids. But it is it's a visually darker movie, but yeah. it's also tonally it's it's a darker movie. There it does it's, have the moments of levity and the silliness, and it has those one liners and those quips. Mm-hmm. But there's some legitimate peril in this movie that would scare little kids and it did scare little kids splinter yeah i mean it's you're you're not seeing this you know a glitzy bright new york city you're seeing kind of a dingy grungier um darker new york city and and, and rightly so i mean when you look at the history of new york city in the 80s and 90s it was not glamorous i mean it was gritty it was dirty it was crime ridden they wrote the comic was written in the proper time and they were they were experiencing what new york city would have been like Mm -hmm. dealing with some of those gangs um, and then, then you get the movie and it comes out and, you know, you see the busy, bustled, dirty New York city streets mm-hmm. and dude gets his wallet stolen and it's getting passed around between the different, yeah. you know, would be foot members in the opening yeah. credits of that movie. Exactly. And then it gets passed off to a foot member. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and you see his, you see his fist and it's kind of covered with, you know, with the, the gauntlet the glove, he had on yeah. his glove. Um, but yeah, I mean the whole opening, the whole opening is, just foot gang activity the entire time mm-hmm. and and it wasn't it wasn't far off from what was going on in New York at the oh, time yeah. no. with different street gangs yeah. yeah and plus like old lady and this stuff sounds harmless but like in in the in the world as as people knew the ninja turtles at that point mm-hmm. in the cartoon if some lady gets robbed it's two doofy looking guys and she's like hey 
Yeah. You know, it's very light and like, yeah. whoa, we need to go help that old lady. Yeah, you know? and, and you get you get the turtles like being silly, using trash can lids to knock yeah. them into dumpsters and stuff Never like that. Never using their weapons. No, yeah, it was exactly. not a thing they were well, allowed to do. And you have the first introduc- the introduction to Casey Jones when he comes, when he, you know, two guys mug a lady and then he comes down. He's like, now that was a crime, you purse scrubbing pukes. And this is the penalty. Like, he's hitting them full on in the face with, like, baseball with bats. With his baseball bat, his mm-hmm. hockey yeah. sticks. I mean, yeah. and that's that's an homage to the original, the very first comic, with, mm-hmm. which was um, Raph, episode, uh, Raph uh, Volume 1. It was the very first comic, and they introduced Casey Jones. Um, that, that scene in the movie is, is a direct pull from that comic. Um, but in the movie, you know, Casey Jones is beating the crowd out of him with all these ho- with his hockey gear. Raph steps in because he's going to teach Casey a lesson because yeah. it's not supposed to be his job mm-hmm. to do it. It's the right. turtles. But in the comic book, like, he's on the verge of beating them to death. Like, yeah. these guys are bleeding, yeah. di- like, broken bones mm-hmm. on the ground. Casey is trying to take out full justice on these dudes. And uh, Raph steps in and is like, nah, nah, it's not going to happen. Not from you, they're not. So, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, in the movie, he goes, like, and this is a uh, five... Uh, Two minutes for high sticking. He goes up. He's gonna tomahawk them, and he's yeah. coming down on he, them. He yeah. could split their head yeah, open until Raph comes with in. That goalie he's like, stick. How about a five the minute Eastman game misconduct? Yeah. yeah. How about a five minute game misconduct for roughing pal? I think just generally. Yeah, um, I just, hate punkers. Yeah, yeah especially I gotta one, hate punkers. Especially ones that wear green makeup, makeup and face masks. Yeah, go over ugly faces. Um, but just kind of you know, But the uh, just the backlash came from like Matt said, considering the property that the general population knew it as you get parents taking their kids to see what they think is going to be this silly movie filled with turtle hijinks. Mm -hmm. And it ends up, it's borderline PG 13. You get Raph saying, damn, like within like the first, he says it like two or three yeah, times. Yeah, he, like he, he says first it, half hour. He loses a sigh in the first battle when they save April. Sigh. And he, he, you know, he realizes it and he's lowering the sewer lid down and you just hear it go, damn. damn. Yeah, exactly. Says it a second time when he's running, when Casey takes off and he's running after him, he gets hit by the taxi and he rolls across mm-hmm. it and you just hear him scream, damn. Yeah, and yeah. Then, uh, yeah. then not to mention the guy in the taxi is like, what the hell was that? So you yeah. get, even though it's, it's like a turtle, I mean, I, I learned how to. I learned swear words from that movie. Yeah. and got yeah. in trouble for it as a kid. Exactly. Like and our, then, um, Jer- like our buddy Jeremy Weed, his mom wouldn't let him like, wouldn't let him watch it because Raph. She's like, oh, I don't like you watching this because Raph said, "Damn." Damn. He says, it, I think he says it a third time too. Like when they're at April's apartment and he's like, he's like, "Why don't I take my attitude and leave?" And and like he goes up on her roof and he's like. Damn! And he like starts like yeah, he starts and kicking his yeah, stuff he's, like he's working out trying Actually, to get out of his anger. Now that I think about it, I think he says it four times because when Donnie puts his hand on his arm to like you know be you know it's good man like yeah. he pushes Donnie off, Donnie pushes him back, and he's like damn, and it's like Raphael. Yeah, and, or uh, it's like ten, f- like ten flips now, yeah. or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, that was yeah. second one. That's the second one. Yeah, but it's but it's similar. He tells him yeah. to Raphael calm down, and yeah. Yeah. that's when he goes out to see a movie. Yeah. Where are you going? Critters to a movie. Critters Where do they come Dad up with okay this with stuff? You? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I can see why parents got pissed off at that. But our parents let us watch it. So yeah. when it comes, uh, isn't I remember you guys telling me a story? Didn't Andy go see it with like your uncle? So what happened was Andy, our our older brother, is six years older than us. So he was a he was like he was like y- five y- at the young, time. young 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 kid. When the first when the TV show came out, obsessed with it like any five year old at that time would be. Hundred percent geared. Yeah, t- cartoon. The cartoon was geared to sell toys, and mm-hmm. it came out right before the Christmas holiday in nineteen eighty seven. Exactly. So yeah, people were going to this movie expecting the friendly toy, the toys that they've been mm-hmm. buying. So little kids like Andy. Yeah. yeah. 
So our older brother heard the movie was coming out was really excited. I think our mom had her wits about her and what maybe like saw the trailer on television. This, I mean, boys and girls, if you are born after the year 2000 trailers, weren't just released on the internet. Um, yeah. you had to wait for the commercial or go see the movie <laughs> yeah, to see the trailer movie trailers. Um, so she probably saw the commercials and saw, well, I don't know about this. Our uncle who is, uh, he's probably about what, like ten years younger than at mom. the time he was probably in his he was mid to late twenties. Yeah, so probably early to mid twenties. Our uncle was still, you know, he was a, he was a young guy, and he wanted to take Andy to go see it. So our mom was adamant that he did that he not do it. Um, and I'm sure if either one of them listen to this, so they might correct us on some details. But the way I remember them saying it is our uncle took him anyway. And our mom was really pissed off, like <laughs> really upset. And I think he, I think he bought him the, the original movie poster. I remember the hanging in our room. Yeah, so the original movie yes. poster, it's, it's the turtle heads all kind of peeking out from a sewer lid. And in big green letters, it says Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Turtles. Yeah. Um, and it just looks like a movie poster, but oh, he yeah. bought him that. And our mom was really upset. Man. Um, that's about all I remember. Like I remember that and like a, was it like a Jim Lee Wolverine poster hung Something up like there that. too? Yeah, yeah. So those are the two I remember as a kid. But yeah, I mean that's that story. Uh, so I guess that's his ex- first exposure to the movie. But mm-hmm. Tyler, what was your first exposure to the movie? Yeah. So I actually still have the first VHS, um, the first movie on VHS. It's it's in the house right now. I should have grabbed it for this. This would have been fun to hold while I'm talking about yeah. it. Um, first exposure. So again, like I said, I've got two cousins, Brian and Alex Smith. Shout out to those guys. Uh, they. They, they were a little bit older than me, a little bit further ahead, so they're really big into this. I, went, I remember going over to their house one time. I was probably three or four. This was about 90, 93, 94. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it was when my brother, was my little brother's being born. So go to their house, staying with them, and they wanted to watch this movie. And I was like, oh, I know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I knew the cartoon. Right. Yeah. So I sit down and I watch this movie with them. And it was just, it was so surreal to see, you know, Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo all on the big screen, but seeing them in real life, what they might look like. Um, I just remember being floored as a kid and falling in love with this movie. My parents were young, so they didn't have a ton of rules on what I could and couldn't watch. Uh, so that was like exposure to this movie was, was just like watching them use their swords and things like that. And it kind of sparked some of that love of the Ninja Turtles as seeing that movie for the first time. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Uh-huh. I'll... I find it endearing now, um, the way the turtles looked. It was like you said, seeing the turtles in real life. You've got they worked with uh, Jim Henson Studios. And rest so in peace, Jim Henson. Rest oh, in peace, genius. Jim Henson. Absolute genius. I love. But the, the heads were like controlled. The they were like the anima- mouths and the eyes yeah. were all animatronic. Yeah, yeah, yeah animatronic. they were computerized. And then they were it was guys in rubber suits basically mm-hmm. as the turtles, mm-hmm. and professional uh, martial artists exactly in, the, in as turtles. It was mm-hmm. like it was like three different. It, it was I know you had guys doing the martial arts. You had the guys who just were walking around. Yes, and I think you had guys who did the voices right. Like they yeah, had they headsets had, on. They had headsets on that were doing the voices while the while the mouths were being controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, in scene by somebody at a switchboard controlling the mouse. And then you had, you know, what they would call stuntmen actors Mm -hmm. that were in the suits walking around doing all of the choreography for the movie. It's so, it's so nuts. Like, because you look at that now and it looks silly, Mm -hmm. but there's just something like it, there's something endearing about it to me. Yeah. Um, And that's basically, that's as close as you were going to get to bringing them to life. And so that had to have been, just so exciting to finally see in the opening credits when the 
um, when the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles logo comes in, mm-hmm. comes in, you're just seeing their shadows. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you saw. I mean, for at that point in the movie, you're you're almost five minutes into the movie. I think you can correct me on something that. like that. Something yeah. you're, you're into you're, the movie a little bit. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, a movie about the turtles. You you'd think they'd be front and center, center right at they the jump. Weren't. But they they yeah. you heard them, and then you saw a glimpse as there's patrol cars lights from a police car mm. um and you saw kind of like the flash of Raphael's face yeah. but it was literally just kind of the eyes and his upper lip mm-hmm. and then you see you're seeing the shadows across the sewer walls as they're saying that was excellent yeah. and then he says you know bossa nova and they're like bossa nova, nova? Chevy, chevy nova excellent oh yes. yeah cory shout out to cory feldman as donatello yeah the only voice of donatello Exactly. For real. should like, only have been the voice dog. Which he was but brought it, back for the third one. Yes, which he was. My, my, I have a theory is that he probably told them, you have to bring me back for the third one, but I get all the funny lines. Because yeah. <laughs> you know Donatello's known for all the funny yeah, lines. Yeah, he's, he's the witty one. He's got quips. Because yeah. in the third one, he's the only one that really makes jokes. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of true. creative decisions, Matt, before we kind of give our first mm-hmm. um, our first glimpse of that movie the first time we really fell in love with it i think it's funny i wonder who made the creative decision to cause raf to speak with like a new york accent because in the tv show it's rob paulson yeah and mm-hmm. he's you know he's, he's just talking like this he's just talking like he kind of talks Paulson. like this yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. well, i don't know what we're doing but like yeah. in the movies like what do we do what do, what do we come up here for like i'm curious who uh, i mean I, I don't have an answer for you. I'm just really either. curious on who made that creative honestly, decision. I honestly think it wasn't relatable enough to to give a TV cartoon network or a cartoon TV show um, that, those accents for New York. I don't know that it right. would have sold. I don't. I think the goofy kind of fun yeah. loving. You know what are we doing here? Instead of it being so Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you know he's he's got that really high pitched voice, and you get. Michelangelo, yeah, yeah. party dude. Yeah, you know, he's, he sounds like he's from California, yeah. and so these these voices were just con- cartoon voice actors, and they said, "Hey, be fun for kids." But when you get a gritty movie like that, you want something authentic. And the reality was is that they all they all represent from four different boroughs, different accents for yeah. New York, which oh, is yeah. kind of interesting. I, it, it is really cool. I think that's I think that Raff voice from the first movie is like the the definitive Raff that, yeah, when that's people how they think of Raphael because in the theme songs to the cartoon. Raphael is cool but rude, mm-hmm. and like Rob Paulson to me just doesn't give that off. Like Rob, whereas in the movie, you'd be like, "Damn, like yeah. I, I lost a side, but I can get it back. I can get, get it, it back. back." You know, yeah. It's almost just, the way people do a Travolta impression. Yeah, but yeah. he, but he's like, he's like, uh, I don't want to fight you. Like yeah. in the way, like his repartee with Leonardo oh, is really like, you know, um, what does he say? He's like. Oh, so that's the plan yeah, from, from a, a great, great leader. leader. Just sit here on our butts. I never yeah. said I was a great leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, which that that dynamic I think is represented the best in the first movie. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I, you have such a you have such a diverse cast in that first movie, um, and, and the reality was, and this is my my humble opinion, not a professional opinion, but just humble opinion is. Right. What happened was that first movie comes out. It's gritty. It's dark. They use their weapons. There's there's borderline death i mean they beat Raphael senseless and he's you know when they have to retreat to the farmhouse he's unconscious like they don't know if he's coming back right uh and and then that that just shocks this viewership so when the licensing changed and they said hey you have to make like uh family home entertainment picked Mm -hmm. up the rights yeah and they they looked at new line and said hey you you don't have choice this has to be Mm kid-friendly um and so you the, the second movie is 
a little less dark. Yeah. And it still has some dark moments in it. Oh, like, yeah. let's, let's be honest. They were getting ready to make turtle shish kebabs um, while they're trapped in the yeah. net. And then yeah. Splinter comes along. Throws, I don't like shoots this. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shoots the arrow, frees them. And uh, Super Shredder. At the yeah, end of the Super, Super Shredder, Shredder Kevin yeah. Nash. Yeah. 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 Shout, Shout out Kevin to Nash. Big Sexy. Like that, that's scary. Um, but Matt, kind of dialing back, do you want to kind of give our how we fell in love with the movie? Yeah. So uh, I knew, obviously, I knew about the cartoon growing up, mm-hmm. and I knew about the movie. I remember the um, the poster in our room. And then we had some for family home entertainment yeah, VHSs. Yeah, we had like the FHE, like VHSs, you know, with the cartoon. But really, I remember our mom came home. Uh, one day she had just come home from Best Buy and she had the VHSs to um, the all three Turtle movies, right? Uh, for, or no, the first, first one, one. And then we bought the second and third one when we went yeah. to Nashville. What's but, funny is she came home with the VHS of Ninja Turtles, but the Ghostbusters DVD. So for years, I always equated those two just because yeah, yeah. We, we watched Ninja Turtles all the time. But I remember the same day she bought Ghostbusters. Yeah, so Little with, did you know they've done crossovers for comic books for yeah, those guys. Exactly. Thanks, well, Mom. you see on Instagram all the time, you see these like 80s pages and you're constantly seeing crossovers with the Turtles and the Ghostbusters, which mm-hmm. I honestly, I think it's a match made in heaven. There's a lot there that is very nostalgic for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, but she came home with the Ninja Turtles VHS and we just watched that thing so much. All and the then time. when we, we went to go visit our grandparents. We went to like a video store and we bought the second and third Ninja Turtles movies. And what we used to do is myself, Steven and our little brother, Tyler, we used to act those movies out. Mm-hmm. So we'd put them on and then we basically act out the dialogue and the motions and stuff like that. So via that method, I really fell in love, especially with the first one. Um, so that's how we sort of learned those movies mm-hmm. and sort of, um, grasp the ninja turtles on a different level than just the cartoon so that's sort of our background with it yeah oh yeah and really we mentioned him a couple times before um but casey jones might be the best part i mean i i I hazard to say best part casey jones is a pivotal part um but he very much um a little more useful than boba fett but very much like boba fett to star wars casey jones is very much equated with this movie as like a folk figure or as like a super popular character and he was very different than the character in the tv show in the tv show yeah. he's like he's like a dimwit he's an idiot yeah, yeah uh, but i like how they made him this cool slick street tough character vigilante he's not stupid but he's yeah. like a loner and has had to like fight for everything and yeah like and that. like Goliath Cotias plays um, Casey Jones and I remember even as a kid like Casey Jones comes on the more I watch the more I'm like Casey Jones is oh he's a badass he's so cool um but like your guys's thoughts on Casey Jones I mean obviously we share a lot of the same thoughts right. but no for sure he's a claustrophobic mm-hmm. yes yeah, so, yeah. Hey, never even looked at another dude before. <laughs> <laughs> You're a claustrophobic. Yeah. She's like, hey, you want to you want a fist in the mouth? No, never, never even looked, looked at another dude before. Like, I don't need this. I'll sleep yeah. in the truck. <laughs> Which thankfully he did because he, he, did. Then he followed him and found the layer. We exactly. can get to that though. Which but, Ninja uh, Turtles uh, implies a gay joke or some someone gets offended that someone th- thinks that they're gay. gay. So yeah. exactly. you know, hey, they were doing things back in the nineties. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, it's the nineties. Casey Jones was. He's such a just a badass character just just badass like that's the your first introduction is this great exchange with Raphael, and he's beating he's beating the hell out of a bunch of muggers yeah and and he's like and he's 
kind of like smarmy and a smart ass and he's like mm-hmm. making hockey references instead of just I'm gonna you know I'm just gonna kill you you know yeah. and so he's being he's like he's just really he's he's just a smart Alec no he's and he's he's a typical New Yorker um, I mean that's what he's portrayed as he's a typical New Yorker streetwise couldn't couldn't hack it in the professional hockey ring and so mm-hmm. decided that like hey you know if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna hit some guys over the head. Uh, you know, and Elias Coteus will forever be that character for me. Um, and yeah, in all the cartoons, he is, he's kind of dumb witted and they kind of make him a clunky, you know, brawny kind of guy. Uh, but the reality is, is he was never meant to be that Casey Jones is always supposed to be streetwise. He's supposed to be tough. Um, I mean, he is, he is the wiser, maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit more rough around the edges version of Raphael. And that's, that's yeah. really why those characters mesh so well. Um, as you see Roth, Raphael being a hothead, Casey Jones being a, a hothead as well. Uh, but, but having maybe a little bit more control over that uh, sure. in some ways, whereas Raphael just loses temper and go yeah. off. And then you flip it the other way around. Sometimes Raph has to calm down Casey Jones. Mm-hmm. So that character in general steps actually plays a huge role in the movie. Just because he he comes in and like helps them out when they've got to go off. There's a uh, part in the movie where if they go they have to go off to um, April's family. I think has like a farm, or they have to go About off halfway. To, it's 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 the yeah the, that that part of the movie we're talking. So you know the turtles are Splinter's gone. Splinter's been captured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know if he's alive or not. They're they're having to live with April, and the foot catches wind of where they're at, mm-hmm. and they decide to crash the party, um, and they have to escape. I mean, they're they're defeated. They've suffered their first big loss um, as as a team. They have at this point in time, they don't have a father figure to lead them anymore, yep. and they're kind of on their own. And so for the turtles, it was their opportunity to kind of you know, hey, can we do this? Or are we are we a team? Or are we going to band together? Yeah. Um, but they would not have had that opportunity had Casey Jones not stepped in yeah, to, to exactly. save the day a little bit. There. Who is that? Wayne, Wayne Gretzky? Gretzky? On, on steroids? steroids? Yeah, exactly. So good. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we talked a lot about the first one. The first one plays a lot of prominence. Um, and we talked about kind of the backlash and the critical reception. And a part of that was the iteration of Shredder. That they use. Yeah. He was scary. Yeah, it's pretty. It's the, pretty. The Rokusaki. Exactly. Yeah. And like the, the foot, uh, very much a gang uh, portrayal, yeah. portrayed uh, as a gang. Got kids. I, would even, I would go further than, than that. The the gang was the teenagers. The foot was a full-on mob. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they were exactly. a kill squad. Well, That's what these, they were there And for. these kids are being indoctrinated, too. Like, the, 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 the first movie handles a lot of heavy subjects, like parental neglect yes you know there's this Danny's character danny father, yeah. yeah who who's a big who's a vocal point who comes and is taken in by this this gang who eventually they're training them to like become the foot and so the idea is to go and just start thieving around new york mm. and under the guise of you know family family and and belonging i mean you're talking about they're dealing with punk kids yeah and and, and full-on punk i mean danny wears a sid vicious shirt yeah, shirt in exactly. the movie um or sub, two different ones at least yeah. and yeah, you're, you're dealing with you're dealing with neglect. You're dealing with teenagers who are angsty and don't have anywhere to go. And so you see this this guise of family that the shredder provides, and even says, you know, it is my dream for all of you to become full fledged members of the Foot. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reality is, is that you can't you can't not everyone can just become a ninja of the Foot Clan. You got to know martial arts. Yeah. But you start by getting accepted and, and going and and looting and stealing and and yeah. doing my bidding. On this topic of sort of that gang in the foot, there's one particular scene to where um, Shredder's second in command, uh, Master Tatsu, Tatsu mm-hmm. he, they, 
mess up one of their missions like to try and uh i think it's the one where they're trying to burn down april's apartment and the turtles escape master tatsu's in in a rage and he takes one of the members of the foot just a random member and is just beating the hell out of him and in the original script he was going to kill him like the kid was gonna die Die. he was gonna kill a kid Mm -hmm. you know because he is so angry and so they had to work in there like he's all right he beats him up and he and there's a another member of the foot's like mr tatsu please and like and he goes he's like he's all right he's all right but like the fact that they were going to do that mm-hmm. is just there. There's a lot of darkness in this movie and like splinters all is chained up and, and mm-hmm. the, the rooftop fight scene yeah. is just, you've got very ominous music playing, which, which one are we talking? Are we talking when, when Raphael gets his ass kicked or are we talking about when, when shredder drops in out of nowhere, when shredder drops shredder in from drops out of nowhere. In. Because that, that also is just a visually, it's a dimly shot scene. It's well, very dingy. And it's intense. It too. is it's intense. Scary it's scary for like yeah. a kid. I mean, Shredder is ready to make turtle soup. Yeah. The, the pivotal point in this movie is you're you're finally at the end. You know, the foot is all but pretty much beat to hell. They're, they're not really doing much. Yeah. And Shredder is going in to finish the job. I mean, he's like, hey, my team's not doing it. It's yeah. my turn. Yep. And then so nearing the end of the movie, uh, finally, you know, Splinter gets freed by Casey Jones. Uh, and in between those times before Splinter gets freed, like he's getting like backhanded, and he 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 mm-hmm. is. He, you can tell he's been beaten for information. Um, Shredder's physically and, assaulting and pretty him much, while he's all tied up. Yeah, and there's an emotional scene to where Raph has come back to, and they're all planning on like we need to go, we need to go back, and we need to get Splinter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all having this meditation at the campfire, yes. and they get this vision of Splinter, and Splinter is pretty much saying, "Listen." By the time you get back here, I might be dead. I love all of you. You are all my all sons. All fathers um, love their sons. Exactly. Yeah, and exactly. they're all like consoling one another and like crying and stuff like that. So Splinter is hinting at Shredder is probably going to kill me. Yeah. You, you guys might be too late. Thankfully, we get to the end of the movie and like Splinter's been freed by Casey. And Splinter's the one who sends Shredder over the side of the building into a trash comp, into a trash Honestly, truck. And, and I got to say this, guys. That is forever... I, don't, I get a little emotional when I talk about that scene. Uh, that is my favorite movie scene, hands down. Like, there's not another movie that exists that has a, a scene that is more um, more pivotal in my life, more just touches yeah. my heart. Uh, you, let me paint the picture if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Go for yeah. So go for you're at the end of the movie. Um, the turtles are all but defeated by Shredder. And uh, Splinter kind of shows up to save the day. Um, and the, the the relationship between them is, in, in the comics... Um, Shredder is Orokusaki, and Shredder killed um, Splinter's master, who was his owner, because Splinter was a pet, uh, at least in the iteration of this movie. Yeah. So Splinter is is out to seek a little bit of revenge for the death of his master. Um, and so Orokusaki, Splinter, um, Orokusaki, who is Shredder, Splinter are bantering back and forth, and Splinter has a pair of Michelangelo's nunchucks that did not get thrown mm-hmm. all the way over the side of the building yeah. when he makes when Shredder makes them dispose of their weapons. Um, Shredder comes at Splinter with a spear, and he flips him. He catches it with the nun- nunchaku, throws him over the edge, and is holding him. And he te- he's telling him, you know, this is the end of the line. And he said, and they a um, I'm going to butcher the line, but it basically essentially says to him, you know, your time has come. And it's a shame because when you die, it will be without honor. 
Yeah. And while while Splinter's saying this, Orokusaki pulls a dagger, a kunai, a dagger, yeah. and throws it at him, and he lets go and catches the kunai. Yeah. And Shredder falls down into the 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 back of the garbage truck. Yeah. Does yeah. a swan dive in the back of a garbage yeah. truck. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, Casey goes up to the truck. It's like, oops, and pulls yeah. the lever. Turns and the starts, compactor. Yeah, exactly. Which it's it's a, the scenes in which they're the turtles. You know. They have not operated without Splinter, oh. like it, it, up to this point. So it's foreshadowed at the beginning of the movie when he's basically talking to them after they're, you know, after after they come out from the sewer and Raph says, "I lost a sigh." He's mm-hmm. talking to them about how like you're not always gonna have me. Absolutely. And it's played off for laughs, like when they're sitting in the sewer and Donnie's like, "Hey, Mikey." You ever think about what Splinter was saying? You know about not having them, and Mike's like, "Pizza dude's got time." Thirty seconds, yeah, three, <laughs> three bucks, bucks off. off. No. Yeah, so it, it seems and like they're anytime they bring on something with gravity or a heavy subject, they throw in that levity. And I feel like Casey Jones going up and going, "Oops," yeah. was that <laughs> yeah. moment of levity, levity because you had so much heavy stuff that they just showed. And I love mm-hmm. that rooftop scene because they're all there and they're. They'd, they'd even like Donnie and Mikey who have had humorous moments in this mm-hmm. movie, they all are concentrated and have a game plan and they're yeah, like, they're ready to attack. Like it does no jokes. Like we're here and we're ready to get splinter. And so yeah. you've got, they're all having their shot at, uh, shredder and Raph's like with splinter. And, yeah. and, and when he says, Oh, the rat, he's like, so it he has, has a name. name. Well, he it had, had a, a name. name. And Leo comes out, he's like, you lie! You know, it's just this, there's, there, and we're probably geeks for thinking this, but there's an I intensity to it that I like, yeah. that makes that scene, that could make that scene frightening for like a kid. Uh, yeah. Emotional. I mean. Yeah, very emotional. Yeah, that scene for me was, again, like it's one of my favorite scenes in any movie. And that, for me, that, that, that moment is, you're seeing true desperation. Um, mm-hmm. These, these turtles are, be- their backs are against the wall. They're beat down. Yeah. And, and they want, they want their father back, and they know that he is the key to that. And they're gonna go. They're going to spare no expense. They are going to, at any length, go to to, to get their father back. And if that means killing this guy, they're yep. gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, the movie ends, you know, with uh, and we can talk about the soundtrack real quick here in a second, just for all the movies. But the movie ends with uh, nobody says Cowabunga. Yet in the whole movie, right. they're they're oh, saying yeah. they're saying all these other things like 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 excellent radical radical bossa nova and they're like uh like they're all getting their their licks and they're like well like excellent bitchin yeah like, boss and then uh, they're like they're like no 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 and uh, Splinter's like may I suggest cowabunga not cowabunga <laughs> I made the funny and then. Uh, they it start uh, who does the song? It's like to you watch you power. It's like um crime time or something. Yeah, and and we get this hip hop song that starts it's about the ninja turtles and in between it you get like Casey. Partners in crime. Okay. Partners, 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 partners in crime. Yeah. Turtle yeah. power. Uh so Turtle Power, this it's this it's a great song. I don't care what anybody says. You but you get like the April and Casey thing going on and they're like you know, you saw the relationship building, but they finally yeah. like kiss or whatever. Yeah. But then you get the turtles celebrating on the top of the roof, and then the credits come up, and uh, that's the end of the first Ninja well, Turtles. That movie. seemed to be a trend, and I know Tyler, we were talking about this last night, and you sort yeah. of brought it up. That seemed to be a trend in those '90s kids martial arts movies, as they sort of tried to ingratiate 
hip-hop in there yeah now granted we're not talking like wu-tang clan and tupac not like hip-hop it's like unfortunately it's like cheesy it's like cheesy you know straight to video mc hammer hip-hop yeah one of the best mc hammer songs is in the first movie yeah this is this is what we do do. yeah Yeah. you can't find it anywhere else no you cannot but it was funny that that was that was like because you know the second movie had vanilla ice Mm -hmm. you had technotronic at the end of the third movie Mm -hmm. Um, you had there was a movie called Black Belt Angels. Yeah. So if anyone listening actually knows what that movie is, send us a DM and we can be friends because I doubt anyone else has any idea what that movie is. Mm-hmm. But there's like they're like rollerblading, another nineties trend. Yes. And it's all females and they're like rollerblading and there's like hip hop going on. Yeah. And uh three ninjas, there's hip hop yeah. in there. So it's so strange that, that, that was sort of those two things kind of went hand in hand you see you see the like tone loke is yeah. in surf ninjas yeah and you and you see all these middle-aged white people making these movies they're like we want to make this hit for a young generation we don't want to use the gangster rap of nwa yeah but hammer's palatable yeah. like that what about that <laughs> hip-hop yeah. it's yeah, like we're exactly. gonna use the hip-hop yeah so they gra- <laughs> they grab like these almost white bread hip-hop artists um, cool huh yeah <laughs> they got the hammer in here um and then they get vanilla ice and all that um but yeah he was still pretty, hot at that time he was oh, I think yeah. cool as ice had just come out yeah so. uh yes um so the movie had a budget of like 13.5 mil and it made like over 200 million dollars oh so yeah it's quite the profit low budget shot in north carolina i mean it was in the middle of the summer and they had no expectations. Like they really thought it was gonna flop, mm-hmm. um, but they wanted to make it anyway. And you know, Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird were on set for it. They oversaw a lot of the production. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they come out and they they make well over their budget, and and it it, it becomes a phenomenon. I mean, it just mm-hmm. added to the hype that was the late '80s, early '90s. Yeah. Pressure build of the Teenage mm-hmm. Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's exactly. so strange that they thought it was gonna flop. They're like, I feel like even the most naive director would be like. Oh, a proven commodity, Ninja Turtles. We're gonna make a movie. This is a cash cow. There's no way this is gonna flop. So it's so strange that they're like. Uh, well, think of other know. comic book movies from the late '80s, early '90s. They didn't yeah. do well. I mean, they The Crow few, didn't I do mean, well. The, it, yeah, the, that was that was not until '94. '94. Yeah, that's and, true. Sorry. And, no, that's okay. And, but there was like Captain America movies that had <laughs> the, come out. There, I mean, the only com- comic book properties that were really on the screen were silver screen with like Wonder Woman. And the Incredible Hulk TV show, yeah, and the, they tried those Captain America movies. Um, well, I th- now I think I think they tried to go gritty too because literally the summer before the first Burton Batman movie came out with and Michael it was Keaton, yeah. fairly successful, yeah. But you also had that almost middle ground flop of the Punisher, the first Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren, which mm. was gritty and rated R. Um, well, I but think didn't did, do did well. They, they dyed his hair for that, didn't they? Yeah, dyed his yeah. Hair I, for that, I think it. At this point, because we're talking about other trends with comic book movies at the time, I don't think anyone was looking at this as a comic book movie just because at this time, anyone who would know about the Ninja Turtles, they're thinking cartoon. Yeah, sure. But in that same vein, you look at movies that are based on cartoon, live-action movies like He-Man, that came out, Mm, and that didn't necessarily do great. It was a very, but it was a dark movie. Like I remember watching that, and it's very gritty. Part of that lends itself to just the natural filming and filters that were used in the late 80s or yeah. late 90s for movies. But part of it was just that was the fan base they were trying to reach. They were yeah. trying to make movies for teenagers to go see at the box office because that's yeah. who had the money to go see movies. Yeah, and and they made they made they took some creative liberties with that He Man movie yeah. too. But other than that, like I think I, I think trying to adapt 
anything that is animated into live action. I guess I could see it's like I don't know how well these rubber suits are going to reflect on screen. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we mentioned, of course, the backlash. And with that came the want for something that was close to the TV show, something more lighthearted, something brighter. Um, physically, in this, the second one already starts off with – a little silliness. We get introduced to a new character by the name of Kino, Kino played yeah. by Ernie Reyes Ernie Jr., Reyes Jr. Who quickly became a fan favorite. Yeah. Um, and he pretty much he actually did some of the martial arts in, in the, the costumes in, in the first. I believe yeah. he was Donatello's body body stunt stunt body. He did Donatello. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we start off too with that, and then it's just even the dark streets of new york was lighter and we yeah. see he he finds himself delivering a pizza to a or he's on his way to deliver pizza and he sees like this stuff that's yeah. going on yep and he's physically shows up at a at a lighter building um so you're establishing like an empty mall yeah it's yeah. like an empty mall and it's just it's just bright around and there's uh there's thugs conducting like a robbery or there's there's they're thieves yeah. and they're stealing things and Kino encounters them and tries to take them on all his, himself. Uh, but he starts to like an ambush is about to start happening. So he's, it starts off out. with two and then he's able to dispatch them. Just yeah. when he's like, should I have mentioned I studied martial arts? Yeah. And then just this whole group shows up and he's like, help. So and all then, that already contributes yeah. more lighthearted tone. And then the, the turtles show up and they're dispatching of all these thieves with these toys like not even with their weapons, like they're using these. Michelangelo uses like sausage links. Yes. Well, they weren't. They they made the rule that they weren't allowed to use their weapons as much mm-hmm. in the second movie. Yeah. 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 So you didn't see them as easily as they could have, you know, taken them out. I think the only thing Leo uses his katana blades for is he he's like, now you see him, and he throws them up and they stick to the ceiling. He's like, now you don't, and he just uses them to swing and kick the thug. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only person that actually uses his weapon in that movie is Donatello mm-hmm. and he uses it to, well and we'll get to what he uses it for but yeah I mean for yeah. the most part they they didn't they they were it was slapstick in a way for the yes, humor very um, they they were using inanimate objects which brought it back to what the cartoon was yeah. using at the time mm-hmm. the, the exactly. 1987 cartoon uh, they didn't use weapons yeah that yeah. was more and definitely I and I could easily see him make it more like the cartoon mm-hmm. so they I could see them like phasing out Eastman and Laird a little bit like because I'm sure they wanted to get more in tune with the comics and just thinking about the first one if you just put them side by side just look at pictures side by side there's a noticeable difference mm-hmm. um just with and then you watch it and you think of all the stuff that they did with their weapons in the first one. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just thinking of like six different scenes to where they're using their weapons. And then now like it's, it, it's funny that they're like, make it more like the cartoon. Like, yeah. So I could definitely see, cause that's the first thing I thought it was in the cartoon when I was made aware of the fact that they never used their weapons. It was all I was looking out for. And I was like, Oh man, they don't use their weapons. Yeah. And there's, there's some other notable changes. So the actress who plays, April was changed. So in the first movie, it's Judith Hogue, who's a famous character actress. Yeah. Um, and if you've ever watched Halloween Town, she's the mom in all the Halloween Town yeah. movies. But she's done TV and movies for the past 30 years. So she was April, but then they changed out the actress to uh, Paige Turco for the next two movies. Uh, I'm guessing it was a contract thing where they couldn't get Judith Hogue. 
Um, and then her curly hair is too gritty. Yeah, but, uh, Casey Jones wasn't there. They couldn't get Elias Cotias to reprise his role. And then they changed the actor. Corey Feldman voiced Donatello in the first one, but then they changed the actor. Um, Corey who, Feldman's too edgy. Yeah, exactly. I guess. But like, it's just, it, it's kind of jarring to hear Donnie's voice in the second one. I remember as a kid being like, that's not, that's not the fell dog. Yeah, like, exactly. That's not Corey Feldman. He was and off like, recording an yeah, album. Yeah, he's like, well, I could try like that. And it's not Corey Feldman with the attitude. Yeah. It's like, well, let me, tr- let me try. He's like, like ha ha ha. ha. Dispose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dispose. Dis- Dis- disposed. Yeah. And, and then, but you also get more of the origin of the turtles, yeah. which kind of, it, it changes. TGRI. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it changes up a little bit from the comic books and, and this it's TGRI. Yeah, they do. They change the name, which, uh, I honestly, I, I've researched and tried to figure out why they did that for the movie. No clue why they did it for the movie. Yeah, TGRI. It's so it's funny how they're trying to keep it more in line with the cartoon, and they couldn't even do Bebop and Rocksteady, like they right. did Toka and Razar. Yeah. So like, but the the analogs for those. Yeah, and they were added to the cartoon because exactly. of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So they wanted to also being in line with the cartoon toys. You know, so you yeah. create these yeah, new characters yeah. to to sell toys essentially. But also you get the introduction of uh, David Werner uh, plays, um, what's the doctor's name? Um, uh, Professor uh, Professor Frank? Professor no. Frank. Professor Frank, make no. you laugh, make you think. But essentially it's it's this professor character yeah. who he's the lead of TGRI. Yeah. And it's they find out it's the ooze that they're dealing with that changed the turtles into who they are, changed Splinter into who they are. And, and Shredder tr- survived, apparently, even yeah. though even though uh Casey Jones crushes him in a trash compactor at the end of the yeah. mo- at the end of the first movie. Yeah. You know? And in the in the comic book, Shredder's the first issue Shredder's a part of, he dies. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, well, we can't do that. So they just bring Shredder back. Um, I Do they explain why Shredder, how Shredder survived? So in, in the movie, they don't ever explain it. You just see his hand poke yeah. up out of the garbage. Yeah. Uh, but in the, in, the, in the comic book, he does come back because they reiterate him. They realize gotcha. that he's okay. a big hitter and that they just got rid of him. It wasn't mm, going to yeah. work. So they bring him back a couple issues later, um, and he was resurrected in some weird way. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, so you know, so Shredder comes back as the main villain. Um, you know, we introduced Kino. You you find out that the the turtles are still displaced. They haven't found a home again, so they're still living with April mm-hmm. um, in her apartment uh, in you know in, in Manhattan somewhere. April's in a new apartment, obviously, because the foot burned down her building yeah, yeah. that she was living in. Uh, so they're they're living together and they're they're trying to mesh, but the turtles realize like, hey, the above the sewers is not where we're supposed to be. Right, we're supposed yeah. to be below the sewers. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you yeah you get the reintroduction of Shredder, uh, and at the time you see some of the foot members and they bring them all and they're at the junkyard and they mm-hmm. like, you know we all knew the junkyard was a fallback spot. Yeah. Uh, and you know then you get Tatsu. They brought Tatsu back for the movie and you know Tatsu comes in and and he's. Uh, ticked off again is like Tatsu was just this angry yeah. guy the entire time <laughs> yeah. and he you know he's oh Lita gone yeah, he's and he very something English. and those turtles they'll pay and he kicks something and yeah he probably goes, a person yeah uh, <laughs> something and he goes I Tatsu now lead the foot anybody challenge and you hear you, next I thing you know you challenge I challenge and it's Kevin Clash doing the voice yeah. of Shredder and he did the voice I believe he did the voice in the first uh, movie uh, too um, and also the voice of uh, Splinter 
Yes, well. yes, yes. Yeah. He did. I always thought it was funny. Tattoo's response. He's like, Master Sh- Sh- <laughs> and he's looking all jacked up from being compressed in a garbage, yeah. you know, in the back of a garbage truck. And, uh, you know, so yeah, so he's a little messed up. And then it cuts to another scene where they're sharpening the blades on his helmet again. Yeah. yeah. Um, which another little tidbit there. The reason why Sh- uh, Shredder is who he is is because Kevin Eastman, when he designed him, was sitting in Peter, La- Peter Laird's house. And on the counter was this cheese grater yeah. that was like wicked looking. And he was like, Oh, I could get that inspiration, and he made the villain based off that. So that's yeah. why it looks like he could shred some stuff. Yeah. Up. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Uh, <laughs> essentially, um, then the foot kidnap this scientist who is in charge of TGRI, and they're like, "We want Shredder's like, oh, we want some of that ooze because mm-hmm. I want to. <laughs> we want some of that ooze. Well, they, they <laughs> steal the last boy. canister. There's yeah. There's a whole battle in the sci- in that's the lab. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, where they realize, you know, they, 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 they figure out that's what's going on because April has an intern that's working for the, mm-hmm. the news channel. Yeah. Um, and he ends up finding, they find this flower. They thought they disposed of all of it and they didn't. It was in the ground. Yeah. Uh, and these weird sun, these massive sunflowers popped mm-hmm. up somewhere outside of Manhattan. And, uh, yeah, so you get this, this foot dude who figures out where it's at and then they realize, okay, they kidnap the professor dude and then they're like all right we need to get the last we need to get some of this stuff yeah so there, there's this battle scene where the turtles yeah. figure out oh we need to go to the we need to go to tgri yeah they sneak in realize that the you know the professor has disposed of everything little did they know and to their avail the foot was there trying to get the last of it at the same time yeah and they were hiding and next thing you know tatsu and the foot come out and then there's this yeah. epic football-esque fight scene yeah that happens. more slapstick yeah very slapstick in humor yeah so they Don't end up feel. getting that they're only open. <laughs> and so Shredder wants to create these two other mutated beings mm-hmm. to take on um, to take on the turtles. But, you know, they look scary, but it ends up they give them, like, these attributes of babies. So they're yes. like, my, 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 mama, yeah. babies, they're babies. Exactly. So they try and add levity. They, any chance they get that towards something potentially could be scary, they yeah. added levity to it. So that's another big difference. So they end up having another battle in the junkyard, which pushes them into a Vanilla Ice concert. Yeah, the, yeah. the, fin- the big final battle. Um, so, yeah, they show up to the junkyard. They've, they've freed the professor. They've freed... Um, you know why is it that Raphael is the one that gets captured and hurt all the time? I, I don't, know, I don't probably, get probably, it. He he's more of a risk taker, I think. That's even fair. though he doesn't throw, well, he kind of throws himself in those situations. Yeah. Like Kino, so Kino knows martial arts. And yeah, so, so he tries like, out for the oh, foot. Go go try out for the foot, like to infiltrate and try and find stuff out. Mm-hmm. And and Raph like tags along. Yeah. And the tryouts are held in the junkyard, and so Raph tags along and sort of puts himself out there in that situation, and they find him and stuff and and uh so he's more willing to put himself out there and throw himself into these dangerous situations and i think sometimes that just leads to just getting captured yeah so kino's in the mix now and then we have seen they find a place to live in an old subway station then the professor they get him in the mix the professor creates like these ice cube capsules um that have like an antidote Mm -hmm. to where it'll change mutagen yeah the anti-mutagen to where it'll change token razar back they try and give them the the cubes and donuts. They find it. This the battle, into, donuts. Yeah, exactly. And the battle, they end up at a Vanilla Ice concert, which they end up <laughs> so nineties. Yeah, they they <laughs> so they defining these giant monsters. They end up at a Vanilla Ice concert. Yeah, and they Just they end up you know they end up going back to their original animal forms. Uh, Token Razar do. They dance with Vanilla Ice, and then they have a confrontation with Super Shredder. Um, because they find out Shredder is is not dead. He, he did not get blown away by a speaker completely, 
and uh, they have this final battle at this pier with super, with Super Shredder, and uh, they end up knocking him off. And that is pretty much the end of Shredder for the for the movie for the, trilogy. The, yeah, oh, yeah, the trilogy. He's yeah. not in the third one. Yeah. No, he's not featured. And then yeah. the third one, basically, the turtles go back in time. Yeah, it it, it was the most lighthearted of the three. I mean, you saw the evolution of like. It, the second one did really well for the younger audience, and they said, hey, this is the direction we're going to go. So you get the third movie, which is um, T, uh, TMNT T3. I think it's called Turtles Back in Time. I think the, I yeah, never they, knew. I never like ever saw that title. I just knew of it as like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, yeah, so I guess. I they, think as, as they were releasing more recent DVDs, of it, it's just called Turtles in Time because yeah. you have Secret of the Ooze, and mm-hmm. they can't, you know, we can't just market it as TMNT three. So what's it about? They go back in time, Turtles in Time. Yeah, um, and there's but, events that take they switch bodies with like other feudal guards, feudal yeah. warriors who like get sent back to current New York, and they get sent back in time because it's like this, there's like this ancient. Like yeah. lamp, the talisman. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Big talisman. That yeah, one is definitely it's definitely different, and a lot of people really don't like that one. I like it, um, but you see this return of Casey Jones, and it's a it's a much more watered down version of Casey Jones. Yeah, it, it's it's lighthearted. He's not they, he doesn't do any fighting at all. That's right. the reality. Is is he's just he teaches the feudal Japan dudes how to play hockey. Yeah, you exactly. I mean? it's it's like hockey. Hockey. Yeah. Yeah. hockey. Yeah. And then, like, a couple voices change, and, you know, April gets sent back with them. Corey Feldman's that. back, baby. Yeah, but, like, just got Kev- out of the studio. Kevin Clash isn't Splinter anymore, no. and uh, the, the Raph voice changes. It definitely has a very straight-to-video feel it to really it. It really does. And and the, the the design of the turtle costumes are different, too. Yeah, and then the, the design for the second movie was slightly different. It just almost looked a little more improved. Yeah. But then the, the design for the third movie, I mean, they gave them spots and, like— On top they, of their Made yeah. them look That's way weird. more kid friendly and amphibian. Um, looking back at it now, I look at them and I kind of like if you ever found those things decaying, you would think that they're like some type of feature on Five Nights at Freddy or something. Yeah, It'd yeah. just be creepy. Yeah. So, yeah, the third one's not much to talk about with that one, but not really. I, I think yeah. it, I think it gets. It ha- it has its merits. I know? think it has its merits, but I've got a lot of stuff that I like that a lot of people would probably crap on and i would i would make my final decision on that after i watch it as an adult because i think the last time i watched it i was probably like 14 yeah and uh and again you know the second and third ones were movies we acted out with our younger brother yeah uh, is our my favorite my two favorite things to act out were the dancing scene at that the vanilla ice concert i love doing those dance moves it'd be the three of us it would be uh, a, a 12-year-old me and Matt and a 6-year-old Tyler yeah. just like dancing around and then uh, in the third movie the beginning scene where they're all doing their their can't stop demonstra- rocking yeah, can't stop rocking uh, or doing their karate demonstrations and Leo does this high kick thing to where he's uh, he's doing these repetitive kicks but going in a circle and I was always Leo and I always tried to do that yeah it's it's the the spinning sidekicks yeah. it's a circle a full full 360 degree circle of sidekicks yeah 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 so those were two things that we loved um, acting out as well the Ninja Turtles movies I mean will always I don't care whatever ones they ever release I've never watched the Michael Bay ones I've heard good and bad things about them Tyler you've seen them both I have seen both of them I, I you know this is this just kind of the testament to my my fandom I, I was full grown I mean grown grown ass man going to see these movies with my <laughs> wife uh, 
first remake with Michael Bay, it, it grew on me a little bit. I wasn't a super big fan of them. Um, I mean, it's all CGI'd. The turtles look like massive mutants as opposed to being, you know, somewhere around the five foot range mm-hmm. and, and just being able to, to hold their own to these almost like superhero, uh, just like massively mutated, uh, the Hulk meets a ninja kind of character. Yeah. Uh, and the foot clan was more of a, like a terrorist group instead of it being more of a gang slash hit squad. Um, and the shredder, you know, wasn't as, as, as popular as seen. And he has this massive, almost mech suit that he uses. And yeah. the first movie hit so much backlash, um, that they, that when they made the second one, they brought in Steven Amell to play Casey yeah. Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in, the Bebop and Rocksteady characters uh, as well. Uh, they they toned down Shredder a little bit to a point of like being able to hold, like it, it's a little bit easier to hold their own. And they also introduced the Krang, uh, which brought it back to more of the comic book slash cartoon feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so newer ones, uh, if you're a fan of the series or you're like you know you got kids, they're kid friendly. You could watch them with your you know your your adolescents. Um, worth giving it a shot. Not what I grew up on, so the nostalgia kind of wears off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, yeah, I mean, as we're drawing closer to ending part one here, I know right kind of at the beginning of the interview segment here, I said part one will be Ninja Turtles and Three Ninjas. We, uh, as as I thought we would, um, because we're so passionate about these movies, we went a little long on Ninja Turtles. Um, so in part two, we're going to be doing, uh, we'll talk about Three Ninjas and Surf Ninjas. Uh, but right before we cut it off here, a few more kind of ninja movies to think about from the 90s. Uh, we had, you know, of course, Ninja Turtles, Three Ninjas, Surf Ninjas, but we also had Beverly Hills Ninja. Chris Farley. Yeah. Chris Farley. Uh, you had... Um, Warriors of Virtue. Warriors of Virtue. Kangaroos. Yeah, with, with kangaroos. More anthropomorphic animals. Exactly. Um, it sells. You had, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. You had pocket ninjas. You had, like Matt said earlier, black belt angels. Um, you had... Uh, m- we're going to have to do a separate episode on Mortal Kombat yeah. because that also plays a prominent role in childhood for us Yes, um, because I saw the movies before I ever played the video game, uh-huh. and but I loved the movie. I loved Mortal Kombat. The first VHS I ever bought and the first Blu-ray I ever bought was Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat. Yeah. So Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which the is cor- not good. No, mm-hmm. that movie sucks. Yeah, that movie it's is terrible. terrible. The Karate Kid had some sequels in the 90s. Yes. Uh, the third one was what? Like, it was actually I like think, late 80s. I think right? it was late 80s. But uh, the next Karate Kid was like 94 or something. Yeah, the Hillary Swank, Swank version. Um, so just a few more 90s ninja movies, whether it was a kid's movie or more of like just a straight up PG, PG-13 action movie. Yeah. If you have any more that maybe we didn't hit on, at least in that list, DM us on Instagram and or email us at theradcastpod at gmail.com we're going to round out part one here uh thanks tyler for stepping in for part one we'll see you back at part two and we'll see all of you back in part two but for the radcast i'm steven i'm matt i'm tyler and we'll see y'all in part two we were awesome bodacious yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh gnarly radical <laughs> I have always liked Kawabunga.
This concludes our broadcast day.